Welcome to the 7 Daily Choices Podcast, a podcast designed to empower you to transform your relationships, optimize your leadership, and ignite your world. My name is Dow Tippett, and I want to help you create, build, and sustain a thriving life with others. So last week, we started this discussion about submission, and we talked about the various ways uh, that submission and the results of submission in our leadership and the powerful results that that has when we choose submission as a heart. And this week, what I want to do is I want to turn the corner and I want to talk about submission from various roles. I'm calling it the circle of submission because what you'll recognize is that in every organization, you may present or find yourself in each of these roles at different times. There's not really this sense in which the submission happens one way. Submission is a circle. I submit to others and they submit back to me. And in that circle of submission is where we find freedom and life and hope and joy together. And so I want to talk about three roles, particularly these show up in organizations. They show up in your workplace, they show up in communities, but they also show up in your family. And so depending on how you define your role in those various places, your position of submission is going to look a little different, but your heart's got to be the same. And it's that same heart about being willing to give yourself for the sake of others, okay, and putting other people ahead of yourself. So let's walk through three different roles in every organization that are going to affect submission and the way submission comes out. So first of all, I want to talk about the first servant. So the first servant in any organization is the person who leads the organization. The person who from the outside looks like the person with the authority and the power. The truth is the first servant is the head of the organization. But what does it mean to be the head? You see, the rule of the first servant is this. If I've been called to lead, I've been called to surrender first. Leadership cannot be about seeking more power, but about taking responsibility first. Leaders take responsibility and give away praise. That's how leadership has been designed. And we see this when we see leaders who are giving away praise, when we see leaders who are taking responsibility, we are ready to follow them more readily than we are other leaders who seem to be in it for themselves. Selfish leaders make us angry. They make us frustrated. And you can see this in our, in our, um, political systems. You can see this in various organizations and companies. The fact is, is that we know that servant leadership is the best leadership. In fact, Pat Lincioni says this. He says, I wish we'd get rid of the term servant leadership and just call it leadership and expect that leaders are going to serve, that that's their role. When Jesus was with his disciples, Right before he left the world, there's this great story in John 13 where he washes his disciples' feet and he demonstrates to them that even though he's Lord and he's Christ and he has all the authority in heaven and on earth and he knows he has that authority, that authority gives him the responsibility to serve his disciples and he tells them that they need to do the same thing for each other. So serving becomes more important than authority or power. Service is the first place of a leader. 
It's the choice to put others ahead of myself, to worry more about the needs of others than about my own needs, desires, passions, agendas, etc. And so submission requires this of the head. But let's talk about headship because there's another idea of headship that helps make this um, idea of servant leadership be a little more effective. And that is headship could be talking about the source of the flow of life. In, in other words, when you talk about a river's head, you're talking about the place where that river begins. You're talking about the source of that river. And whatever comes out of the headwaters of the river, whatever comes out of the head is what the rest of the river is going to look like. If the head of the river is pure and strong, then the river is going to have purity and strength. So if I am the head of others, the way I live my life, the way I serve others, what goes on in my heart is going to affect everybody else beneath me. When we think about leadership in organizations, leadership in your company, leadership in your business, leadership in your organization within your business, wherever you are the head, leadership within your family, leadership within your church community, wherever you have a group of people who are following your lead, you need to think of yourself not as the person who stands at the top, but as the person who is responsible to lift from the bottom. And you need to think of yourself not as, not as the person with all the power to move, but all the responsibility to be and give of yourself in a way that produces life in others as it comes from you. Being the head means you produce that which your followers need to be their very best. Your goal is to make them the best, not yourself. Being the leader should make you the first servant. You should be the first one to give, the first one to serve, the first one willing to die and give up his own agenda's rights and ideas. So if you're not willing to submit, you can't be that kind of leader. In fact, as we look at not just Jesus, but God, look at who what God has done. God, who wanted us to be people of sacrifice, became a person of sacrifice. He gave up his only son so that we might have life. That is the ideal of leadership. Now, the second role we need to look at is the first follower. Others have said this is about the second seat. This is where you're you're in a leadership role, but you're not the leader. You're in that almost middle management role. And most of our, our listeners are going to find themselves there. Most of our listeners are going to find themselves in this director manager position. You've got someone who is leading you and you've got people who are following you. So you're in a leadership role, but you're not the leader. You still have things that are asked of you and that you're responsible for. The reality is, is all of us on this earth live in the second seat. We all have decisions we have to make and people we have to answer to. We cannot just make decisions however we see fit for whatever we want. Even if we feel like we can and even if people treat us like we can, the reality is everything will come back to us if we are not careful. So we're all in the second seat to some extent. So you see, this is a circle. 
even though you may be the first servant, you're also going to answer to somebody. Even if it's just a God, you're going to answer to someone. And so everybody has this other place they need to spend time in. And that's the place of the second seat where you're leading people on behalf of your organization or your community or your family. But you're also answering to someone. You're trying to follow them. And so the the this idea of being the first follower is the idea that I'm going to carry help the person who is in that first seat, the person who is that first servant, to do their job to the best of their ability to achieve the vision that they have for our organization, for our community, for our family. So, so when we're in this second seat, we've got to help carry the vision. So there are six rules I want you to think about in this seat. If you find yourself in that second seat and that's where you live. Number one, you are not responsible for creating vision but for carrying it. Sometimes it's very difficult for visionary people to not want to create vision. And yet, if you're in the second seat, it's not your job in that role to create vision. Now, it is your job to carry vision, but you need to be very clear on what your leader's vision is. So one of the keys of leadership is that we become the chief repeating officers, right? We're the ones who repeat the vision again and again and again. Well, when you're in the second seat, you don't create the vision, but it is your job to be a part of that repetition of repeating the vision again and again and again for others to see, of carrying the vision out of the person in the first seat. You're in that second seat. Number two, you're not responsible for anyone's choice to follow, but you are responsible for showing them how to follow. You need to be the first person who follows. So I entered this role when I left my last, uh, uh, my next to last church. I was leading a church for almost 15 years and we merged together with another church. And in doing so, I took that second seat. And it was when that happened, it was, it was a difficult decision because I'd been leading. I'd been in the first seat, the first servant uh, for so many years that being the person who didn't create vision was going to be difficult for me. But I had a friend of mine, Brad, who took me aside and he said, listen, I think you just got a promotion. And he shared with me an understanding of the first follower. You see, <laughs> what most people don't understand is a leader oftentimes as he carries vision in the future that others can't see, that others can't realize, that others don't understand. When he carries that vision, he actually can look a little crazy. <laughs> and so he needs someone to get behind him and say, you know what? It's not crazy and I'm going to join him. And the first follower is the person who's willing to step up with the leader and follow their vision to its completion and help their vision to come complete by following their lead. And others will get behind that lead if they understand that this is the place that God is calling us to be. And they begin to see that God has called us to this opportunity and to this new life or that the leader is calling us to a vision that's worth it and worth getting behind. And so we get behind them, we follow their lead, others will follow their lead as well. Sometimes somebody just needs to start following so that others can see it. And as the second person in the second seat, it's your job to follow the lead of the leader ahead of you and to trust their leadership as you're following to show others how to follow as well. Number three, you are not responsible for the leader's decisions, but you are responsible for helping him to make good ones. 
Now listen, one of the struggles of being in the second seat is it means you have to have difficult conversations with your leader. Now, these are not rude conversations. These are not controlling conversations. These are not manipulative conversations. These are to be conversations of questioning, of understanding that help the leader to think through the direction he's taking so that he can help others to get where they need to go. If his job is to lead people where they're supposed to be, your job is to help him see that direction clearly. Again, this is not a place of manipulation or a place where you try to take control. It is your job, though, to question and to have the difficult conversations with the leader so that he can be at his best so that everybody else following can be at their best. This is one of the most difficult places to lead. You're not responsible for his decisions, but you are responsible for giving him honest feedback and honest questions so that he can make good ones. Number four, and this is good news. You cannot fail if you follow wholeheartedly. If you give your whole self to following a leader and that leader fails, the organization may fail, um, other things may fail, the direction may fail, but you have done your job. You have fulfilled your role. And I found great comfort in this, in my role, when some things did fail, some things did fall apart. And I was actually asked to step down. And I look back and I realize I followed with my whole heart. So I didn't fail. It wasn't me. And so there was great joy for that in me because I know I gave my best. Number five, you cannot lose if you're loving and honest. If you are loving and honest, you will gain. You know, it's very difficult for me to look back on that time because I tried to be the best uh, follower, first follower that I could be and it didn't work it didn't go well and the truth is even looking at that that's probably not a fair assessment it went well for a time and usually when you merge two churches you need to know that typically the merging pastor which i was lasts about a year uh, before that relationship falls apart and unfortunately in ministry most people in associate roles those not in the lead role are there for about two years before they're made to move on because there's such a conflict of leadership and we were almost three years in and really at the end it wasn't even a conflict of leadership it was just a directional conflict that wasn't going to work according to the leader and whether I thought it was going to work or not is second to the reality that what he decided is what he decided but in that I did not lose I've gained relationships I've gained uh, people's um, praise I've gained people's adoration now that's not to build myself up I'm just saying I didn't lose because the position ended I didn't lose because I stepped away I gained because I know I was loving and honest and other people know I was loving and honest and so I didn't gain number six and this is what we're talking about you must submit Listen, you cannot make decisions to overrun the leader. If the leader makes choices that you disagree with, you need to follow. You need to follow their choices and you need to trust that their choices, their decisions, their um, direction is what God needs, is letting it be. And whether they're right or wrong, you have to follow what they offer. And when you do so, you will find freedom, you will find joy, you will find hope no matter what. But you need to submit. Here's the question you need to keep on the front of your heart and on the front of your tongue, on the tip of your tongue, when you're in this role. How do I help? How do I help leaders? 
and how do I help those who are following? Listen, every leader has flaws and blind spots, and we got to help them avoid the pitfalls of their weakness. A great leader will humble himself. It's not your job to humble him. Your place is to help him appear strong and trust God and the leader to choose when they must be humble, when they must humble themselves. It's not your job. Your job is to be the best follower you can be, to help, help the leader and help the followers, help everybody to move forward to the best future possible. Finally, we have the role of servants. In the Bible, uh, oftentimes this gets translated slaves, but the reality is in our world, especially here in America, we don't really have slaves anymore. We have employees, right? Those who follow. And and biblically, sometimes, oftentimes slaves weren't, weren't the same kind of slaves that we experienced here in our past in America that was atrocious and that horrible slavery mindset. And yet in our world, slavery continues to be uh, this abuse of people in more ways than ever before, even in America. And that's something to be fought against. But employees, those who follow, those who serve earthly masters, need to learn how to submit in a different way. Here's the deal. The Bible says that you need to serve your masters as you serve Christ. If you are an employee, you need to serve your organization, serve your leaders the same way you would Jesus. And this becomes very hard to do, especially when they're bad leaders. But even when we follow bad leaders, we have to trust that God is still in it. Remember that in submission, we're not trusting other people. We're trusting God to move as we follow other people, as we give ourselves to other people, because God has called us to do so. So as servants, we need to serve with enthusiasm as though you were doing what you should do and then do more for Christ. You're serving Christ as though your work is not for your leader. It is for God himself. Learning to do a job and learning how to get a job done are two different skills. And so we need to make sure in our leadership that we don't, or in our service, that we don't start trying to become the leader because we don't like the way the leader's doing it. In fact, our heart should always be for the leader's best interest because whoever is leading us, if they are doing their best, then God will lead us to where we want to be, lead them where they need to be, and lead all those around us where they need to be. And so honoring our, our leaders as servants is a huge part of how we help our organizations move forward. And it means that we've got to keep respect at the front of what we do. We've got to honor them. We've got to treat them with respect and dignity and expect that God is going to move in and through them, not only for our good, but for the good of all those in the organization. We need to look, instead of trying to look to take their place, we need to look to take the next lowest seat. Jesus tells a story of um, actually doesn't tell the story. The story is told of Jesus coming into a house where there was all these people jostling for position at a feast and they were all trying to see who was the greatest, right? And be at the head of the, ha at, of the table. And Jesus makes this comment. He says, don't look to be at the, at the top of the table. Take the lowest seat in the house and let someone come to you and tell you, you should move up. Then you're going to be honored. 
You're, you're honored when people move you up. You are dishonored when somebody has to put you down or put you in your place, right? So if you choose the lowest seat, oftentimes what happens when you're a servant is you will be moved up to a higher seat. But when you choose to seek a higher seat, oftentimes you will be stuck in a lower seat or you will be moved down to an evil, even lower seat. So if you really want to do well and you want to move forward, you need to choose lower seats, but not just so that you'll gain advancement, but because honestly, a great leader has chosen the lowest seat in the house. Remember, first servants, see, now we circle back around. The first servant is the one who serves everybody. And so your goal shouldn't be to gain more power or more prestige or more authority, but to gain more responsibility and to take more more responsibility. If you really want to be a great leader, learn to take more and more responsibility for the sake of others, not stepping down or not stepping up, but stepping down, giving others and lifting others up. This is how great leaders lead. And this is how servants follow the best. This is how servants submit to their leaders in a way that actually honors both the servant and the masters. The head serves the next lowest seat. Then the next lowest seat is the first follower. And then the one who serves both the leader and the servants that's the, the first follower. And then finally, the servant serves the first follower and the leader. So everything circles around. We're serving. The goal is to create a culture of serving. And a culture of serving is a culture of thriving. When people are serving each other, that's when we thrive. Whatever position you hold in your organization, if you see your job as serving all those around you and as you would serve the Lord, then very quickly you will find yourself honored for God who has got, God has made you to be. You will live a life of fulfillment and purpose, and you will find yourself full of life. That's the circle. We choose to serve others in whatever role we're in to the best of our ability. Hey, listen, that's enough for now. So, that's a lot to take in, and we're at about 22 minutes here. So, I want to wrap this up. Um, but listen, thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, could you do me a favor and share it with someone? Also, be sure to give us a rating or review to help other people find us so that um, we can get this message out to more people. It really does help us move forward. And even though this podcast is free and we do it for free, we want to get this message out to as many people as possible. So if you could do that, uh, it means a lot to us. Thank you so much. And remember this, life is a gift and living is a choice. And living is measured in relationships. So choose relationship today.